Hi, everyone. Welcome to QCCS Mackay Coast Change Game podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the Uibara people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to our past, present, and emerging. Change the Game. Brought to you by the Mackay Cutters. Sean Mullaney, thanks for joining us on the Change Game podcast. Good to be here. I've been, you know, been wanting to come on for a while. Seen a few um, great talkers come on and thought I'd follow suit. Congratulations on just being named the captain this year for our Host Plus Cup team. Mm-hmm. You arrived in, at the Carters in 2021. From that point, it's something that you know, was evident to me early when you arrived that you were someone that the boys instantly respected and listened to and in doing that also followed. So, yeah, I think it's a really good choice from the group and the club and you've taken on that honour of captain the team. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, what does it mean to you, um, the being leader this year for the Mackay Cutters? And- um, I think it's, it doesn't really change me as a person or as a player or my leadership style. I think since I've been here, I've been a leader at this club and I took that upon myself before I signed here that I was going to come up and with my experience in rep sides and at a high level, come back and teach the boys what I knew. Lead a club that I knew hadn't made finals in eight years up to that point try to push for a spot so but to be recognized by your peers and you know staff like yourself and come out it's it is a massive honor and knowing that you hold you know that weight with you going out on game day of the whole Mackay community your team teams below you know your family partner it's um yeah it's a great honor bestowed on me and I'm I'm excited to run out this year and lead the boys through some of my experiences with and even at Mackay back when I was here last some people some players really excelled in the leadership mm. role and uh, some players kind of shy away from it yeah. and, and kind of maybe don't want it, but they are the leader and have to accept that. Mm. Yeah, but for you, you know, coming coming in and knowing your experiences were a lot to our group. When you came in, it was a really young group. Yeah, definitely. Um, of players and going through a lot of change as well behind the scenes. Some of the things that you've um, played a part in um, – Definitely for me, I feel like you've kept the group together. So talk us through those times when you first come in, young group, um, bit of change, change over coaches, keeping the boys strong. Yep. So I'm the same as you. I, I believe that, you know, you don't choose leadership, leadership chooses you. I think some people are, you know, innately given that that skill set to lead and others can develop it. But I think for the most part, you know, you don't choose. You get that given that responsibility and it's your choice whether you want to do it in a positive manner or a negative one. So... When I first come over, I was 21, just turned 21. And like you said, I come into a really young side. Um, we had Ross Bella captaining at the time, and he would have only been 23, 24 as well, and he'd, he was an established player at the time. Yeah, at the same time, we had maybe two or three boys over the age of 26, which is kind of new for me in that in a senior team. Um, I'd kind of come in and was already a senior player, and I felt like I'd just come out of high school, so it was, it was different. Yeah, during that year... We were just like any young football team, you know, we were going out every weekend, sometimes two nights a week on the weekends. And then COVID hit that year and we had a little off season during the year, same thing, go out, party, do that kind of stuff. And it really brought the team together, I think. And it's actually created great foundations moving forward. So I don't regret any of it. Mm. But as you're aware, that year too, we had some just issues on the field, off the field with the cutters in terms of staff and yeah, the way that panned out, we were never really in a place for success. So 
I think what had happened that year, even though I enjoyed a you know reasonably successful season myself, I think that first year I was here built a lot of foundations for what was success last year and what will be success moving forward. It's funny that you talk about you know, going out and building, yeah. building bonds and but town like this year, you kind of mm. have to, especially guys relocating to Mackay, new environment, fitting into Mackay, mm, the culture of Mackay, and yeah. those uh, those times are really vital to, to build that bond. Yeah, they are. I think, especially in a footy team and a place like Mackay, a lot of the boys that are coming here are from out of town, so they don't know anyone when they get here, and you create that tight-knit bond because you've got no one else. You've got to spend time with each other and... A lot of my best mates now are boys from that year that come in that had no one else. So we were always at each other's house, always going out, you know, Harrop, Rabbit Hole, those places, meeting up and having a few drinks and bonding over that. And that, that makes you a tighter team on the field too. So, yeah, a lot of those, my favourite memories in footy have been that and just spending time with them boys and yeah, it's been awesome so far. So let's talk about new environments like we just touched on. So learning new cultures, people, um, yeah. the expectations of the clubs that you go into and fitting into these environments. So you've had some good experiences, you know, uh, New Zealand and yep. here, cities, countries, sort of regions, representative teams, and then also workplaces that you've got to also fit into mm. those environments. So what are the important aspects I want to know in becoming accepted into new, new environments, but also more importantly to me is not fitting into the culture, but driving the culture. Yeah, so I think, um, like you said, there is a slight differences in culture in terms of, you know, countries as a massive, you know, broad aspect. So New Zealand and Australia, you know, brothers really or brothers, sister, what are you going to call it, siblings in terms of culture. But there's little nuances and even in terms of, you know, demograph, a lot of Polynesian and Māori boys where I played back home. And that goes back to we have open grades back home because of weight and development at that early age. So I was probably the only European player from under 13s through to seniors that was playing in open division because a lot of other kids just can't compete. And I think that helped me a lot with trying to understand Polynesian and Māori boys. I've, I have a connection with them because I grew up with them. And I come over here and whenever I, you know, a Polynesian boy comes in, I instantly you know, gravitate towards them and I can have commonalities with them that other boys just might not get because of culture. And at the same time, coming up here, I've had to learn different parts of culture, especially with Indigenous. That's been a beautiful culture I've been able to learn and be immersed in, especially my time in Townsville before here. And that's the same. It's it's the same as Māori culture in a sense, but just little nuances and it's, it's been awesome to learn and for rugby league to take me to different places and experience that I'm super grateful for. And I guess driving a culture, it's, it's different. I've grown over the last three years as a leader and now with that title of, as captain. I don't want to change my leadership style that got me here. And I think that's something that's really important for me to be aware of. I don't need to do any more than what I'm doing right now. Hmm. because that's been identified as something that's going to help the team progress and go forward into hopefully moulding into a winning culture. So I think a lot of boys, when they get that title, they might try to overthink it or do a bit too much, and I'm just going to keep being the same old me and being that social leader off the off the um, field too and getting the boys involved and making that tight-knit bond. Yeah, and the way, way I see you lead to is by your actions, uh, yep. especially on the field, going you know, above and beyond and your efforts, the way you carry yourself on the field. So, yeah, the importance of staying true to yourself and being and bringing the best of you yep. to us. Yeah, I'm not, not so much of a speaker at training. The, the day's long enough already, so yeah, 
you get caught up in talking, you know, you work a 10 hour day and then go to train and it's, that's Carmo's job. I'll leave that down. <laughs> he does that really well. Mm. Yeah. But it's not trying to be someone you're not. And yeah, that's, exactly. That's the point you're, you're making there. Talk to me more about the workplace. Yep. So talk to me about the footy. You've come to Mackay also and tried and adapted to different workplaces, worked in a school, you yep. worked with some mining companies. What's been some challenges with that? What's been some really good things that have, have come with work? And footy, because you've ex- also experienced just the footy side too through your under-20 journey. Yep. Yeah, so back in 2017, 2018 when I was at the Cowboys, that was pretty much footy in school. So the first year I was at Ignatius Park at high school and then second year I transferred to uni. And that was an awesome lifestyle. All you had to do was rock up to class if you felt like it and then go to training in the Arv. And yeah, that, that is the life that you want, but... There's bugger all money in it too, you know. I was I wouldn't have been able to live up there if it wasn't support from my mum back home. So I'd find the odd jobs and you know, in the weeks I had off or, you know, the school holidays, but it wasn't a way to live and the same thing kinda happened when I went back home, but at the, I was living with my parents, so I didn't have to pay rent. So that was nice. I got a bit of savings and built that up over a year and then moved over here. That got cut into quite quickly being a teacher aid. So it's <laughs> A lot of the boys do it all around Australia as footy players. It's a, it is an awesome job and it's so rewarding. Like it's, it's the best job I've ever had. But when you get, when you come to Mackay, especially in a mining town, and you see the dollar signs, it um, it changes a bit for you. So I can always go back to teaching, and um, I've got a, I do have a soft spot for it, and I think that's something long term that I will be going back to to pursue. But at the moment, while I'm in Mackay, you know, I have plans of getting out of Mackay. I want to be a professional athlete one day. But while I'm here, I want to make the most of my connections with the area and try and network the best I can to maybe have something lined up in the future. Yeah, so talk to us. What are you doing now for work? So at the moment, I'm in concrete remediation. As a, a trade assistant, there's actually a few boys in the team that are um, with the same mob as me now. So I've um, just moved over to Dugowie's Contractors. They're pretty big in Mackay at the moment. And we've got um, we've got Gilly, Kyle Kennedy, Brucey. Yeah, us four over there in a crew, so that's going to be really fun. We'll work well together, though. You always work better with you know, the mates you like. Yeah, what, just... Uh, what, are the thing, what are the things that you do at work or you will be oh, doing at work? Yeah, so we're on, on the jackhammer most of the day or just pretty much remediating concrete. So if it's broken, we'll come in and fix it. And that's pretty much it. It's, that's it? Yeah, it's, it's a good job. It's um Yeah, you get to be physical with it. It's hot, hot and get sweaty out there, but you get paid good for it. You get compensated well, and it's... The toughest thing would probably be the, the hours. So, you know, during a normal week, you wake up at... Maybe four thirty, in the car by five. Drive out, get there at six. Work a ten and a half hour day. Back in the car to training. Get to training five o'clock. Training finish at eight. Get home, in bed by nine after dinner and that ideally, and then you do it all over again all week. So, so something you have to get used to. So, talk me through the period where you've um, gone from teaching into this, and you've had to change your prep, especially for training. Yeah. What are some of the things that you? nutritionally or sleep or so when i transitioned into uh, more of a labor intensive job out at daily bay they're doing concrete remediation it was during the season so training was pretty light it wasn't nothing like pre-season so the only thing i really had to adjust to was waking up early which sucked for the first first couple months that i got adjusted to it and probably the heat just being out outdoors all day you know like you live in Mackay yourself but there's not really a winter. You might get four or five days where you can put a hoodie on, but other than that, you know, you're getting torched every day and sweating it all out. So moving from teacher aid indoors, only a six-hour day, I might have gone from drinking three litres to eight 
every day. So, and with that, you're going to need better nutrition, more calories, things like that. So I've, I've up my meals. I do that on a Sunday. I'll prep out all my meals and make sure I've got enough calories to get me through the day in training. And yeah, that's pretty much it, the prep. And then this was the first preseason I actually had working in that area. And it was tough. It was really tough to go from working a 10 and a half hour a day to now you're getting flogged at training. It's yeah, it's not that fun. No. Well, you're, you're lucky enough to do it with a couple of teammates. Like, so that, yeah. that would have been an advantage to get each other through. Yeah. It's pretty um pretty hard work with Cole Kennedy, who's always miserable though. So he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't really down. lift your energy. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, little Brucey goes all right though. He's, um, he's always up the front, you know, in the con. So, you know, if you see someone like that who's leading the way after a 10 and a half hour day, you don't really have an excuse. So he's someone that um, he really impressed me during preseason too with his toughness. Yeah, definitely. You've also transitioned from hooker mm. primary role to lock. Yep. So you've got to put on a bit of weight as well? Um, not, not? not too much. I probably ideally would like to put on more weight. That can be easier said than done, especially when you are working long days. I've kind of matured out now where I'm in the low 90s regardless. So I'd like to be putting on a bit of weight ideally in the next few years, but I'll just let that come as I need. I think I'm handling the middle okay at the moment, so... If I can use my added fitness with the change in the game, I don't think putting on any more weight is going to be that beneficial to me if I'm going to lose my fitness because I think that's an edge I have at the moment. But, yeah, that's a that's an interesting story actually because I was the hooker when I first moved up here and then, you know, I had, had my eyes set on that position last year and then obviously we are able to get the signing of Kyle Schneider who is a quality hooker and that kind of threw me out of whack for a bit, you know, to be – I guess recognised as a senior player from the get-go and, you know, finished runner-up player of the year to kind of being shafted at that point. And yeah, I, that's how you felt like? Yeah, at the time I did. I f- remember calling up Dave and saying to him, like, did you know about this? Because I actually found out from Emma Forster. I don't know if you've heard that. Oh, no. That um, head. So, yeah, so she, she loose lips, sink ships. Yeah, I found out one day that he had been coming up or had been in contact and I rang Dave and had a few words about it and I said, I'm not going to leave. I said, I'm going to... I'll fight it out. I'm staying here. And did you think about leaving? Yeah, at the, at the moment, yeah, with emotion. But I don't, I don't like to make decisions based on emotion. I feel like you lose more often than not. So I decided to stay. Had to talk with my partner because she was moving over at the time too, to Mackay. Mm. So I was kind of like, am I making the right decision staying here? Am I going to be able to play hooker? But I thought I'd stay there and fight it out. And it was a good preseason. I think we went head to head, and we both had you know strengths, weaknesses, whatever. Come to the back end of the preseason, I felt like I was kind of on the outer. You know, we'd play 13 v 13 and kind of not even make any squad because there's just no spot for me anywhere, which is not daunting, but just like how has this happened? You know, you go from a, a player that's in the starting side the whole year to not knowing your place in the squad, what position you're going to be playing if you're even needed that year. So early was the discussion with you and Dave that mm. where Cole's coming to the club and uh, he's a quality, yep. quality player, but he can also play in the halves as well or, or full, did that sort of get talked about yeah, yeah. and that you guys would be battling out for the hooker position yeah. to start the, discu- the conversation? Yeah, so it was never a set in stone like he's going to be the hooker, but I also know how the business works and if you're paying money for someone to come up in a position that he plays, and I've known him since schoolboys, we played against each other, New Zealand versus Australia. And I knew he was coming up here to play hooker. And I, I get the business, I understand that. And I know that I'm versatile too, so I didn't, that didn't, you know, I didn't shy away from that fight either. And so yeah, we had that chat, and I've known Dave as well before here, and I said to him, as long as you give me a fair chance, I'm willing to work for it. And obviously didn't plan out how I thought it would. And then I went to him 
a few weeks before the season started and said, look, if you don't see me as a hooker, I'm letting you know that I'll play anywhere in this team, Like, but you're going to have me in this team. And then round one comes and I get named at 14 or 15, I think it was, mm. somewhere on the bench, and he kind of just said to me, you know, I've, you haven't really trained in any other positions this whole preseason because I was trying to get hooker. I didn't want to go anywhere else. So we don't really know where you're at, what you can play. I know you can play in the halves. You played it in, when you were younger, but at this level, you're not proven there. So I think I come on against PNG as a lock. To, I don't know who I substituted with. But it was Tommy, wasn't it? Tommy Dawes. Yeah, it must have been Tommy Orlandis. And then, yeah, so we played that game and then played against Ipswich too. Had a pretty good game there. And then Pride, Tommy ended up doing his shoulder. And yeah, poor bloke can't catch a break. Great player, great teammate. Um, he's someone you'd love to see, you know, go through his career without those injuries and see where he could have ended up because he could have been anything. Because of that opportunity that come up and I got to play at lock the rest of that game. So I think I played 70 minutes off the bench there. Played pretty well. And then I think I earned the starting jersey the next week and held it from there. And one player of the year. Yeah, one player of the year. So I actually talked to a few young blokes this year about that and how footy can change in a day or a week or whatever it is. So not to be discouraged by not getting your spot straight away because, you know, as you know, in this in this game or any profession, like there's someone breathing down your neck, any team you're in, and they're ready to take your spot. So I was ready for my opportunity and I took it with both hands and like I said, I come out with player of the year. That was that was lucky for me. I had a few games off too. I thought there's a few other boys that, you know, easily could have taken that award, but I think I've solidified my spot now where it's mine to lose. And I think that's important for young boys to know is that if you work hard and you're willing to do the right thing for the team, that you know you'll get there. Yeah, and how bad do you want it too? Like it was yeah. never like you saying you went to Dave that you I'm going to be in this team. Mm. And you find we're going to find a spot. Yeah, there was never once that you were thinking the other way and taking no for an answer. Yeah, ex- yeah, and just it's important not to spit the dummy too. Like that's like you said, that's me going back to not making decisions on emotion. If if you're saying that to a coach and you crack the shits. Or immediately they're already going to see you in a different light. Mm. So I think the, the best thing you can do is just roll with the punches and just control how you react to those situations. You can't control the situation, but you can control how you react. And I think I reacted in the right way. So I try to pass that knowledge down to younger boys that I can see are getting frustrated, that they're not getting selected or you know they're not going as well as they thought they might have, that what you're looking for is just around the corner. And you've just got to keep working hard and following the process that you know is going to make you a better player. And that's all you can do. You can go to bed at night and you know, have a nice sleep, knowing that you've done all you can. And if not, that's on you. Hmm. What about your wellbeing toolkit? I want to go take the discussion there and you know, linking to what we were just talking about as well, like when those hard times where you maybe some self-doubts coming in or some, some times are tough at home or whatever it is for you when the pendulum swings the other way. Mm. What's, what do, what's your go-to to get you back? Um, I'm a pretty, pretty happy-go-lucky kind of guy at the moment. So I remember when I was younger and I'd first moved over to Australia with the Cowboys, I was, I was a robotic. I mm. didn't touch alcohol until I was 18 thought that just, you know, I really idolised Cooper Cronk and I just wanted to do everything by the book. Don't do, Yeah, don't do anything out of turn. And I remember I played my first game of 20s for the Blackhawks and I played hooker and I, I played shocking. I was terrible. And I remember messaging the coach and saying, look, that's not me. Like, please put me in the team, you know, next week. That's not me. I'll be better. And he come in and he told me to come in his office and said, 
mate, I think you're just taking the game too serious. I guess who, who, who was that? That was David Tangatatoa. He's at he was at Penrith Twenties before that, and he's at Bulldogs now as an assistant coach for NRL. And he was a great coach. He had a lot of things that oh, I've got aspirations to be a coach one day that I'll take from him and implement yeah. down the line. But he he told me that you know, you're just taking it too serious. Just take a step back. Footy's just a game at the end of the day. Break it down. It's not your career yet. Just take a step back and just enjoy what you're doing. Not every kid's in this position. You're not going to be able to play footy forever. Just enjoy the moment. And what did you think or how did you feel when he said that? Was, well, was still, it a light bulb uh, moment? Or? Uh, not so much. I was still pretty nervous I was going to lose my spot. I was still caught up in my own head at the moment. But another person I was lucky enough to live with and spend time with up there was Kevin Marty, who's the welfare manager at the Cowboys. So he is, yeah, he is just unreal at helping young blokes. And he's done it for so long at just keeping their mind off the game and giving them, you know, mental skills for their kit bag to get through hardships or tough times. And he loves humour, so he'd take the piss out of me if I played shit. I remember we ended up losing to North in the grand final, actually. I got hooked in that game too, and i come home to him wearing a North jersey, taking the piss out of me. So <laughs> it always makes it easy, you know, when you come home, you're crying after a loss or whatever, and then he's taking the piss out of me. It shows you that footy's not – it's not the be-all, end-all. It's just a game. Yeah. But I think from that moment, I understood what it was to – bond with the boys and go out and have fun and it's not not to be robotic. If you ask Jake Riley, who I played with in that same 20s team, what I was like, and I think he did with the Cutters boys in 21 saying, you know, what's the Sean bloke like? He's coming. He goes, oh, just a, just a stick. Do nothing, you know. <laughs> Shit bloke. Never come out with the boys. Yeah, stiff ass. Stiff as a board. So I think I've, I've turned serious. the corner. Like, yeah, way too serious. And I think there's still a lot of boys that are like that. They think they have to be contracted or you know, they have to have to have an NRL contract to be good or they have to have a great game, every game. And the same person, Kevin Marty, I remember had a conversation with him that kind of settled me down a bit saying, you don't realise how much luck comes into play with being a pro athlete. There's so many things, you know, politics, time you're born. Like I've spoken about this as Camo and there's a book, Malcolm, Malcolm, someone that wrote Outliers. You know, the, your birthday has comes into play in terms of pro sport, if you meet that cutoff year or not, how fast do you develop? When you develop earlier, you're more inclined to get noticed and then get better training and you're just already ahead of the eight ball. So you could go down a rabbit hole with that, but there's so much luck that comes involved in sport and you'd know a lot of players that you think would have it or enough to go on that just, for whatever reason, too old or just don't get noticed. So for me, I try to stick to my process and if I do everything I know I can to be the best version of myself and leave all the cards on the table, if I don't make it, I don't make it, mm-hmm. and I'll find something else. I'm confident in myself and know that I'll be successful at whatever I do. But if yeah, if I don't make it, I don't make it. So might as well just enjoy it while I'm here and give it a crack. Yeah, and you're obviously still here too because you have that ambition. Yeah, to yeah, get exactly, to the next yeah. level. Um, and I think if I wasn't playing at a high level, I wouldn't be playing at all. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not the type of bloke who's going to go back and, and play local footy when I'm done and cash in. No, nah, yeah, I'm not going to cash in. No. Yeah. If I was playing for money, I wouldn't be playing at Cutters, trust me. <laughs> I'll be at Maggie's. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, well, what would you be doing? Like if, if I wasn't you, playing footy? Yeah. Um, I don't know at the moment. I think I'd like to travel. I mean, that's pretty hard when you're playing footy. Like mm. Footy is really a full-time, full-time gig and it's around the clock. Because as soon as you finish up, you have to train. Like I said, if you're not training hard, there's someone behind you who is and you're going to lose your spot, especially at this level. So 
getting away at the moment is, is tough, especially with, you know, I've got partners' commitments, have to get home to New Zealand, see my family. There's just stuff around the clock that you're looking to do. But I'd love to travel. Like I said, I'd love to finish my teaching degree. I'm halfway through that. Um, and, yeah, just explore different avenues. I guess not being an athlete hasn't been on my mind yet. You know, I'm kind of – I like to stay in the present and take each day as it comes. And at the moment, I am an athlete, and that is my focus. So, But at the same time, I understand I'm so much more than just an athlete. Mm. And once that time does come to an end, I'm confident in myself that I'll be able to explore and find myself and who I can be outside of that and be successful in it. What's on the bucket list, travel-wise? Cliché is definitely Europe. with the Bulls? No, nah, not running with the Bulls. I've seen too many bad injuries on TikTok. <laughs> I'd love to go to Ireland. I've got, obviously, heritage from that. Not that I know them, but just I'd love to go to Ireland. Um, pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Just say yes to every opportunity. You know, you see all your mates going around doing all this cool cool shit over the world, and you can't do that because you've got obligations to a footy team, so... At the same time, they're not experiencing what I am with footy mm. and there's, you know, amazing connections and relationships that you have for a lifetime yeah. or going out and playing in front of a crowd that's there for you, something they won't get to experience. But, yeah, you definitely miss stuff as an athlete. And it, for me, like I said, when I was younger, I missed so many birthday parties or opportunities to be a kid because I was so caught up on my future and, you know, trying to make the NRL or be the best player I could be and just kind of... Didn't stop to smell the roses, I guess. Be cliche about it. I remember sitting down with you uh, in 2021. Mm. Um, my role at the club then was a little different. was more on the footy side. I was trying to be more on the footy side and working in the wellbeing space too. And mm. so we come in and did some reflection stuff and looked at values and goals yep. and had a very interesting conversation about your values or what you do value and, and also goal setting. So talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me how you see values and how you what goals you do have mm. well it's probably changed since then i guess that's two, two years ago yeah i'm changing all the time so um, i don't think my values change a lot of my character but um i never know what i would have said for values in terms of footy i think you know honesty integrity all those they're cliches but they're there for a reason they do matter um and in terms of goals i think it was you i spoke about how i don't really mm. have goals yeah. or i don't i don't like to set goals and i know that's a bit different to a lot of other players or what I guess the recommendation from people, you know, well-being people or coaches and that, it goes against the grain a little bit. But By the book. I yeah, guess. by the book. But I think that was part of the reason that led me to having, you know, anxiety around my games or feeling like I wasn't doing enough or being enough is because I was so set on these goals and if I didn't make them, I thought I was less of a player. And I always thought to myself too, how does everyone have the same goal but not everyone's getting there? And that kind of, through reading and, you know, listening to podcasts or that thing, it led me to understand that goals, in my opinion, isn't what separates players, it's the process. And there's a book I've read, Bill Walsh's 49ers coach in the NFL a while back, one of the greats, and his, he wrote a book and the title's called The Score Takes Care of Itself. You might have heard it. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with process. You know, if you have a goal to be an NRL player, if your process is on the right track and you're doing everything you can to be the best, well, that goal will take care of itself. Yeah. So, so don't have your focus on the outcome, focus on the process that lead to the outcome. Yeah, so for me that's that's the way I approach it. I don't I don't approach a season I want to be player of the year, I want to be captain or I want to be an NRL player. I think that's back in everyone's heads. But not everyone is where, you know, Cam Munster or Nathan Cleary is and that's because of process. Mm-hmm. Somewhere behind the scenes they've worked harder. They've done something better than you. 
it's same with luck. I speak about luck here. They might have been in lucky positions. Cleary's had a dad who's played in the NRL. He's been showing the ropes, but you know, I guarantee he's working harder than someone who's just wishing and hoping about it. So, yeah, that's my approach on goals. Don't believe in them. Well, what's the process for you this year then if we take remove the yep. outcome of the goal? Talk me through some of the things you're working on now to, you know, have some success this year. Yep, so it's it's um yeah, it's actually hard at this level and especially with my new job to kind of implement all the things I want to do. You only have 24 hours in a day and like I said, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning and in bed at 9.30 and there's almost no time to reflect during that space. So the only time I kind of have to reflect, you know, and you talk about mental skills. I was actually speaking about with Jared the other day. My mental kit bag at the moment is go three hours, oh, three hours, three months flat out and just break down. <laughs> That's how I'm going at the moment because it's just so hard to find time and space. But I think it's it's important to know when you are struggling and when you are too tired or just burnt out and just, just let it happen, to be honest. I've had that a few times and I'm a pretty self-aware guy. I know if something's off or not and, yeah, I'll get on top of that pretty quick. But in the grind that is Q Cup and footy, trying to put in an NRL training session and then work on top of that into one day, is it's super tough. And, yeah, it's just to trying to build my own skills and my repertoire and that, it is hard, so... I know I've spoken to Jared about visualization. That's something I do quite a lot, actually. But whether that be work or in bed, going before I sleep. So Jared's our, our well-being and yep. education manager. Yep. Um, so types of visualization that you talk talk us through that. Like, what do you visualize? Yeah. So if I'm, you know, looking at a play, for example, as a lock, like a ball playing lock, you know, showing inside, looking up, looking at the defense, and then shooting at the back. Oh, that's something I'll practice over and over in my head. You know, I'm a bit of a, a ballsier player than most and I'll practice a grubber through the line, you know, running hard or even to the winger, just like random little shit like that. But I practice those reps in my head all the time because I know when I get to training, you know, you get straight into video, do that for an hour, straight into weights, straight into field. There's not much time left over. And I have I do have to prioritise my sleep and my food too, so I'm not hanging around training an extra half an hour, an hour like I was when I was a teacher. It's just different lifestyles at the moment, so... What I can't get out physically, I'm compensating with video so I can watch a little video at work or through things like visualization where I can get those mental reps in as opposed to physical reps. But in terms of this year, what I'm looking to implement, probably understanding that lock is mine now. I think last year I played hooker, lock, a couple of games in the halves at the back end to kind of fix that, fix that spot that needed filling for the team. And I've always been quite a selfless player. And um, Camo sat me down this year and said, I want you to be selfish. Mm-hmm. He said, I know you can play hooker or half or wherever you need you to, but this 13 jersey is yours and I want you to be our lock. I don't want you to be a half or a hooker. That's going to come second fiddle. If we need you, we might chuck you there, but we don't want to do that. It's a bit of ownership. Yeah, ownership. And I told Camo too, I said, I don't want you to you know, carry an extra middle on the bench and just hope that I can play hookers. I, I said, I'm not playing hooker. I think I'd... I'm at a point in my career now where I need to be selfish and I need to understand what position I'm going to or the best chance I have of moving forward and what position I am and I think at the moment that is lock and I guess I've add some versatility value people know I can play different positions which is good but I've, I do have to take ownership of this position and understand it's my own and, and be selfish and I think that'll actually help the team going yeah. forward but It also goes back to what brought up before like at the start it highlights your Strengths as a leader, yeah. I think this position and 
allows you that ability to the extra efforts and yeah yeah i'm not going to break a game open but i'll come at you all day yeah that's how i said i'm not i'm not an explosive you know player like a you know kyle kennedy or josh smith logan dylan on on the sting and that but i'll come at you all day and i've, I've now i have elite fitness you're i can a, whack for my size you're relentless yeah i'm relentless and that's what i try to do it's that's a mentality i've had instilled in me yeah probably since i was a young fella like i said growing up in in a competition back home where I'm consistently 20, 30 kilos lighter than these other boys that are developing quicker. If you don't learn to, you know, position your body in a way that you're not going to get rolled or get up with really hard line speed to stop their momentum, you're going to get, you're going to get killed. Mm. So I think that's a massive benefit for me was growing up in that environment and being able to watch that progress into my adult career. Do you feel like when you're inside the game in those moments, like it's like a state of flow for you when you're in the grind or is it an effort area where you know I've got to pick it up here and, and do it? Yeah, I think for the most part it is flow. Like you hear a lot of players saying they're nervous and, you know, go get a carry, go get a tackle because as soon as you make that that first play, your head's in the game. You're not thinking about anything else. You can't hear the crowd. It's, okay, what's my next job, next job, next job. So for the most part, I would say I am in a flow state where I'm kind of just I've done the work through the week. Now it's an autopilot. But like I said, if I can see something or I know my team needs a lift, you know, you've seen it countless times. I'll shoot out of the line, try to put a shot on. If I forget it, great. If I don't, back in the line as quick as I can and go back through the process. But I am aware at different times what the team needs. Um, like I said, I'm not a very vocal player, but when I do speak, I feel like they listen because it holds weight when I do speak and – I do give the boys a spray every now and then, but I think they respond pretty well to it. Sure do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we usually finish with like a dare to dream. Mm. You know, let's talk about goals, but we've kind of already done that. Um, yeah. And know where your head's at and yeah. your future hopefully lies. What I would like to finish with and round things off is talk a little bit about more about the club and yep. change the game and what change the game is at the club and also – just your opinion on probably since you come in, what you thought beforehand to yep. where it's evolved to now and where you think the future is, Mackay Cutters. So um, I guess I've come from another, I guess, Q Cup system too, which is good. But um, I remember that 2021 year, I was thinking about giving up footy. Um, I've spoken to you about I fell in love with running and you know, doing my own thing and training and not being sore every day. That was pretty cool. I was probably the fittest and strongest I've ever been too. I got started to get that itch after about nine months and I had a few clubs come knocking, but Mackay was kind of, just felt right to me. I mean, going back, my my father passed away when I was 13 and his sister, who's my auntie, lives in Mackay and she always has since I've been alive anyway. And my first holiday with my dad was actually to Mackay at a Seaforth when I was 10 years old. So there's always been that connection with Mackay. And then once my father passed, my pop, who lived with my dad, moved over here as well. So from that point up until, I guess, 2001, when my pop passed away as well, I've been travelling back and forth to Mackay to see them and connect with them. So that same year that my – or the year after, sorry, my pop passed away, it just felt right to come to Mackay. There's a last side of my, my dad's family over here and I didn't have any other family in Australia. So, you know, I could have gone to Brizzy or someplace like that, but it just it felt like home coming here. And coming from another club, yeah, Mackay, honestly, easy win. That's what they thought when I was at Blackhawks. You know, you come to Mackay, you're grabbing the two points. It's, it's a walk in the park. So I didn't come up here with any 
um, expectations or I didn't come to the club thinking they were useless or they were really good. I just came in with an open mind and just to see what it was about. And I think that first year was a little bit disappointing in terms of how the club was run and, yeah, I guess, led in terms of uh, coaching. And, yeah, we've all had opinions on that at the club. But moving forward to the year after Dave, I think he he did turn the club around. And I think, you know, with Kim as well and you having a, you know, a bit more time under the belt, you've had a chance to really take the framework and culture you wanted and implement it. And I think it was instilled last year and it's created a massive, massive change for our club and the community too. That first year, well, I can't even remember seeing faces in the crowd, to be honest, or you know, our community engagement was terrible. Just everything on and off the field wasn't where it should have been and that actually it showcased in the game too. So to come from that first year into last year with Dave was, was yeah, night and day, it was awesome. And I think it's still growing off the back of that. And Camo coming in, he's a local. He's seen how Dave operated. He was part of that process last year. So he's taken the good things and he's going to implement his own things. I think we're in a really good place to grow on and off the field. I think we'll change the game. You know, we're getting all these schools out in the community. The boys are really buying into that. And it is awesome to see. It creates a club feel, a good culture and community feel. You see it in the crowd. You know, we come to... Was it two weeks ago when we played by ourselves? There's no other teams there, just the cup side, and there was four or five hundred in the crowd. Like uh, we've never had that. Nine hundred. Oh, nine hundred. Nine hundred twenty-one. Yeah, and even to see, you know, the women's teams coming in now. We've got some of the elite women's players in the country playing for the Cutters and donning that jersey. That's awesome. It's awesome to see that game growing. Seeing the young gun, like the young teams. We've got was it six teams now? Yeah. In the Cutters, so yeah, just to understand, there is a genuine pathway. For the young kids, boys and girls, and that the community is right behind us, it's, it is an awesome feeling going into the season. And it's a shame I can't play round one with the boys this weekend, but it's be pretty exciting to make my debut as captain at a home crowd against the Pride. Sure will be. It'll be a big, game, uh, big mm. day of footy. Inaugural year for the, the BMD women's and very exciting caliber of players being able to track for that. So. Yeah, high hopes for them. Yeah. No pressure. Um, no pressure at all. Same with you guys. You guys, um, this is going to be yeah. a different year for us, for the Cup team, with the less Cowboys coming back, um, yep. potentially not many at all. So I, th- I hope and I know it's – well, not I hope, I know it's going to galvanise our group. You know, we're really going to be representing Mackay. Yeah, first well. first time in history, no Cowboys allocations. That is exciting. Yeah, big year for the club, 2023, 15 years in comp, 10-year uh, anniversary of the 13th Premiership. Yeah, six teams as we've already talked about. And, yeah, let's get the crowds behind us and because um, when they do... Yeah, you the, feel it the, all right. The town's pumping and yeah. so is BB French Stadium. Do you want to leave us with anything, Sean? Anything, last words? Other, other things we've um, sort of finished with too is just a bit of advice. So one piece oh, of advice so you um, give a young Sean Mullaney coming through the system or a young Mackay, Cutter, junior, female. Oh, it's actually what's something my... It's a quote that's always stuck with me. I used to have... Um, He's the best coach I've ever had and he really took me under my wing when I was younger and put me in my place and told me I wasn't good enough. Probably the only person when I was young to not piss in my pocket and tell me I wasn't on the right trajectory. Wish I could have spoken about him more now. But um, we used to have a training sheet before every every training we had and it'd be the plan and then you'd have a quote down the bottom by someone who's famous throughout history or a leader. And if you didn't know that quote and couldn't explain what it meant to you, we'd all have penalties. So I remember there's one and it was just... 
I don't know why it stuck with me, but pick up your own orange peels, John Wooden. Don't leave your own shit lying around. Pick up after yourself. That's all. That's that's my piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Simple, yeah, but it means a lot when you break it down. Yeah, very similar to sweep the sheds. Yeah, pick up your own orange peels. Yeah, I love it. Easy. Yeah, that's right. it. Thanks, Sean. No worries. Change the game. Brought to you by the Mackay Cutters.